I have this dream that my father and I are sitting in this uh, really beautiful mansion, like a kitchen and like a island. My father's like sitting across from me and I'm like looking at him and my father's crying and he's just profusely crying. And I'm like, dad, why are you crying? And he goes, he goes, you got to forgive me or I can't leave. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, do you forgive me? I said, yeah. I said, I forgive you. And then the phone rings. So I pick up the phone and it's my aunt. And I was like, he passed away. And she goes, why do you know that? And I said, because he just came to my dream and he asked me for forgiveness. Mona. Yes, David. <laughs> How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. How are you? You look great. You seem like you're feeling great, right? You know, uh, I mostly feel like crap inside, but on the outside is what matters. I think that's why we're here on Dead Talks. To, that's right. To express the inner Because I'm dead on the inside. I want to look alive on the outside. Dead on the inside. want to look alive on the outside. Yeah, that's, okay. my, that's my tagline. All right. Well, where did this all come from? <laughs> <laughs> what, the dead or the alive? Maybe both. Maybe both? Yeah. Dude, it's just been, um, I don't know, it's just been, like, really busy with work and just uh, been dealing with, like, some personal stuff that's been, like, kind of um, bringing me down a little bit. But that's what stand-up comedy is about. Uh, but, yeah, now, <laughs> you know, you just, like, feel like garbage all day. And then you're like, I'm going to go to the comedy club. And now I feel alive. And then you go back into your depression and you're like, oh, such is life. <laughs> Such is life. I feel like I say it all the time and I hate myself for saying that. Yeah? But, Such is life? Yeah, but it's true. It is so true. I mean, you know what it is? I don't know if you remember this, but when you were a kid, you were like, you know what? I want to grow up and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Fucking adulting sucks, man. Uh, it sucks, but I partially enjoy it. Yeah? The sucking part? Kind of. Really? Well, it depends on the sucking, but yeah, most of the sucking. Most of the sucking. All right. Okay. Well, you're, that's what you're into. You're, you you might have a hidden stand-up comedian in you. Oh, thanks. Because we friends. thoroughly enjoy the darkness and the misery. Well, I think that's the beauty and what we're going to get into. Uh, maybe it's not beautiful, but your story about your father that you kind of yes got me into and what we're here while we're here, that tragedy and turning it into something funny. Yeah. I'm not that you're making bits about your dad, but I'm saying I think that I'm making bits about my dad. Why not? He's dead. <laughs> it's not like he's going to come haunt me. I mean, maybe he will. I don't, I don't know. know. If you haven't heard other podcast episodes, it might be very likely that you will get haunted. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I've been well, actually asking my dad. I, I was telling you earlier, um, I was uh, recently in Pakistan. I, was, I went back after like 16 years because the last time I went uh, was when my father had passed away which was uh, back in 2005. So I haven't been back since because I was just got, I got so traumatized from that trip. And this time when I went and I was like, oh my God, I was literally in that very room where my dad passed away or where he collapsed anyway. And I was like, oh my God, my dad's going to totally come and speak to me while I was there. Not once. Not once. Not once. Did you get a refund on your flight? Nothing, dude. I was just like, really? Is it that bad? I was like, what is it? My jokes, Dad? What is it? Wait, so, I mean, before you even had that thought of hoping he would speak to you, have you had any experiences or just, just a... Um, I've had a, I've had a couple after that. I've had, like, dreams about him. Mm. And it's like, just doing things or just telling me something. Doing things? Yeah, doing things like telling me to, like, go somewhere. 
Oh, I'm going to go fuck myself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's telling me to like go somewhere. I, I've had a couple of dreams, but I haven't, I haven't seen my dad in, in, my, in my dream in a long time. Yeah, I haven't. So leading into that, so I feel like people understand where you're coming from. You told me, I'll, I'll let you tell everyone, as opposed to me telling you because I don't want to butcher it. Yeah. So you saw him the day before he passed? Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you like the backstory, right? So um, I've always had, I, I guess maybe some people can relate to this, some can't. I've never had like a very stable childhood, what? hence the stand-up comedy. But I grew up in like a very kind of a tumultuous household. My parents were always fighting bigger. There was a, a lot of domestic violence in our house growing up in Pakistan. So I just grew up with like a lot of physical violence. Like my dad beat the other shit out of me till I was like 15, literally a month before I moved to the U.S. So that was like my mom used to beat the crap out of me. Like they just had a lot of unresolved shit. Very smart people, very beautiful people very troubled people, you know? And then when I moved to the U.S., um, I always had this weird, tumultuous relationship with my my parents. But then around 2005, um, I was married at the time. I got married pretty young. I met my ex-husband at 18. I got married at 22. And my ex-husband at the time used to live in New York City in Midtown West. And my ex-husband was like, hey, your parents are visiting from Pakistan. Why don't we take them out to dinner? I was like, sure, let's take them out. It's a nice hot summer day. We go out to this nice Italian restaurant. Bada bing. Hey, bada bing. <laughs> um, and, uh, here we are sitting at this Italian restaurant. Now, I don't know how much you guys know about the Pakistani or the Muslim culture, but you can't drink alcohol in front of your parents. It's like you might as well take your clothes off and have sex with your boyfriend or husband. I mean, it's the equivalent of that. It's crazy. It's just considered really disrespectful because, you know, alcohol is forbidden in Islam because of whatever reasons they have. I personally think Muslims should be the people who should drink the most, but that's just me. Uh, but uh, we should be getting high and getting drunk out of our fucking minds all day. Uh, but uh, that's just me. That's just uh, that's like, I can't me. comment on that. that can't comment. <laughs> so here I am at this Italian restaurant, and um, the server comes over and goes to my dad, what would you like to drink? My dad says Sprite. And mine goes to my mom, what do you want? My mom goes, Sprite. And then he goes to my ex-husband and goes, what do you want? And he goes, oh, I'll have a glass of Pinot Grigio. And I was like, oh, I'll have a glass of Pinot Grigio too. And my dad goes, what kind of soda is Pinot Grigio? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, it's not a soda. It is wine. And my father got so upset. And he goes, you're going to drink alcohol in front of me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And my father was like, that is haram. Haram is forbidden, right? Haram. 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 It's, it's forbidden. Haram. haram, right? It's forbidden. And uh, I said, oh. And something inside me like just snapped. And I just remember turning to my dad. I was like, oh, you want to talk about haram? Let's talk about haram shit. I was like, what about beating the utter shit out of your wife? Isn't that haram? I said, beating the shit out of your daughter. Isn't that haram? Doing fucked up shit to your family. Isn't that haram? Abandoning your fucking family. Isn't that haram? I said, don't fucking sit here and tell me about haram. Okay. I was like, you have no fucking right to tell me what's haram and what's not. Right. So now things have gotten very tense at the table. Okay. And uh, I'm, of course, going off on him in my native tongue, which is Urdu. So I'm like going off on him, which is similar to Hindi. So I'm going off on him. And all of a sudden, <laughs> my mom turns to me and she was like, you may want to lower your volume. I'm like, you shut the fuck up too. 
I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know? Good for you. Wow. Yeah. And my ex-husband is like, honey, I'm like, don't fucking honey me. I'm like, just sit your fucking ass down. Don't fucking talk to me. Right? And then I'm like, just going in on my dad. Right? And I'm like, so sick and tired of your bullshit. I'm so fucking sick of this. I'm just going on and on and on about my dad. Right? And my dad is like, just like, he's in shock that, you know, because it's a big deal in the culture that the youngest, especially the daughter, I have four older brothers, I'm the youngest and the only girl, to have the audacity to confront your father about all his wrongdoings in a public place while drinking a glass of Pinot Grigio. None of those things are ideal situations, okay? Those are like, that's like the, like the, that's like a nightmare to a Pakistani parent, right? Especially a father, because it's like he's also feeling emasculated, right, by his daughter. So finally, the server brings the drinks and he's like, there is some shit going on at this table as he's like putting the drinks down. And it's all very awkward. So long story short, we have our uh, pasta bolognese and then we get the fuck out of there, right? And so the next day, my mom calls me up. So at the time, I was uh, working in New York City. I used to work on the trading floor. Uh, I used to work in finance. Um, and I'm working for City at the time. So my mom calls me up next day, and she was like, your dad has locked himself in the bathroom, and he's been wailing all morning, and he refuses to come out of the bathroom. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So she takes the phone and puts it on the bathroom door, and I can hear him just wailing like a child and I was like what the hell I was like my father was this big burly man right like very macho who would like never show any such emotion and I was like what's going on um so I got really concerned because a year before my father had a stroke because he had really high blood pressure so I got really nervous I was like oh my god my Father's blood pressure must be skyrocketing. I think he's gonna have another stroke. So I go to my boss. And I'm like, hey man, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Oh, mind you, also, uh, I was on crutches because I was a runner for a very long time. So I blew my foot out, and they had to cut my foot open and do surgery on it. So I was on crutches. So here I am, like, on crutching my way to Jersey City, which is where my parents were staying with my brother. So I, I trek over to Jersey City. Um, I walk into the apartment. My mom is like, look, this is too dramatic. I got to go have lunch with my girlfriend. I'm like, you go. Don't worry about it. So I'm standing outside the bathroom door and I'm knocking on the door and I'm like, I'm like, dad, can you come out? And I just hear him wailing. Right. And it's like just breaking my heart because I've just never seen my father like that. So then finally he comes out of the bathroom. He sits down and he's like, it's like a child. Right. He's like not even making eye contact with me because I guess he's feeling so emasculated. Right. You know, he's feeling so ashamed of like him expressing this deep pain that he's held on for years and years. So then all of a sudden I'm like, Dad, why are you crying? And um and he goes, I um he goes, I fucked up. And I go, I said, what do you mean? And he goes, I fucked up. I really messed up my relationship with you guys and, you know, and I don't know if I'll be able to ever repair it, you know? And I was like, I know. I was like, I know you fucked up. I was like, but clearly it's not that broken. I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you. You know, I was like, you know, I was like, maybe you don't know this about me, but I'm more like you than I am like mom. I was like, I have her face, but I have your personality, you know? And my father's like, yeah, I don't, I never really got to know that side of you. And I was like, well, it's not too late, you know? So, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> my dad like turns into this like eight year old child. Like all of a sudden, it's like this massive shift. And my father's like, you know, when I was like eight years old, I told my parents not to send my youngest sister away. You know, my sister, Rihanna, I was like, 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the first Rihanna I ever came across until I moved to America. And then I was like, oh, shit, this Rihanna is way more attractive than my aunt. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. They made Rihanna in smaller packages because my aunts uh, were big ladies, yeah. large ladies. Uh, and God bless them for consuming the carbs. They did. Um, you know, uh, their husbands loved it. More cushion for the pushing, I guess. Uh, but it <laughs> it's a shame of that, man. Do you, you know? Uh, but I was like, yeah, what about it? And he was like, you know, when I was a kid during summer, I, they, they, they took my, 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 do- my, my, my sister away from me and I didn't want them to take my sister away. And in my head, I'm like, well, why the hell is he going with all this? And I was like, oh, he's correlating it as loss. Right, he's correlating like losing my sister to like losing my children. That's what he's correlating. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. So he's like almost like he's like retrieving back to his child. And I was like, oh, I was like, you never really got to be a child, did you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, it, you know, you just you just feel really bad. You just have a lot of compassion when you're like, fuck, you know, you don't really get to have a childhood. You know, you're just kind of thrown into being an adult. You know, you grew up under nobody talked back then. There wasn't like, come here, my child and tell me your emotion. People don't even do that today. Right. right? I mean, back then it was just about survival. It was like, how the fuck do we survive as a family uh and my family had migrated from india to pakistan so there was all this other trauma that was attached right um so long story short my father i take him out to lunch we're having a really good lunch we're bonding we're talking and not like you know it's coming to the end of the day and I got to head back because I'm working next day. So there are these like trolleys that are, that run in Jersey City. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, but um, my dad hops on this trolley because he's, you know, that's going to drop him off to my my brother's place. And as the trolley's pulling away, my this voice in my head goes, this is the last time you're going to see him alive. And I just start bawling. I just start crying. And I was like, that's not true. I was like, that's not true at all. And the voice is like, yeah, that's the last time you're going to see him alive. That's, but you're not going to see him alive after this. It was so weird. I've never, I don't know. I've just very rarely had experiences like that. So then I'm like, that's not possible. So my father was, uh, had been vacationing in the U.S. for about a month or so. So, and my father had a pretty nice business. So he was like, all right, I'm going to head back in the next week or so. So the following week, he booked his tickets and he was headed back. And while I was living in Midtown West, the, so the same day, I'm like, I'm like, dad, don't worry about it. I'm going to come to the airport. I'm going to see you off. We're going to, we're going to establish this relationship. Okay. I'm going to help you mend this relationship with my brothers. Like we're going to work on this. Okay. So, um, that same day <laughs> that my dad is leaving and going back to Pakistan, they literally shut my entire neighborhood down. Why? Because George Bush, who was president at the time, was visiting, uh, was at this hotel across the street from mine, and there were snipers on my building, and they weren't letting anybody come in or leave because the president's in town, right? So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me right now? Which I didn't even know. So I, I come home early, and they're like, yep, Everything is shut down. The president's down. You can't, you can't, you can't leave. And I'm like, this is freaking ridiculous, right? So long story short, my father leaves, right? I don't get to say goodbye to him, you know, physically. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to see him again. So my father and I were like keeping in touch for the next like 25 days or so. And it's now the month of Ramadan, which is, you know, a very holy month for Muslims. It's fasting and stuff like that. But my father was doing this thing where he wasn't taking his blood pressure medication, which was 
a big no-no for him. Like if you have had a stroke, you've got to take care of your health. Mm -hmm. And my father wasn't doing that. So unlike the last or the second last day of Ramadan, he every day he was going to my aunt's house to break his fast and stuff. On the last or the second last day, we can't find my father. My mom's calling my dad. My mom was in America at the time because she was helping my brother out with his move or whatever. He was moving to a bigger house. And my mom's calling. My dad's not picking up. My aunt's calling. Nobody's picking up. One day passes by. Two days pass by. My aunt is like, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. So she tells my uncle, my dad's younger brother, to go visit his office. So he goes to the office and the office manager's like, we haven't seen him in two days. He hasn't called us. We're calling him. We can't get in touch with him. So my uncle goes to my, my dad's house, sees his car parked, keeps knocking on the door, banging on the door. Nobody's opened the door. My dad's like, my uncle's like, something is wrong. So he breaks the door. They go in and they find my dad, like he had just vomited all over the place and he had collapsed. He had a massive brain hemorrhage. So he was hemorrhaging for two days straight, just hemorrhaging. So only like 2% of his brain was left by the time they discovered him. So in, in uh, you know, in the U.S., like, of course, you'll take him to the hospital and they'll tell you. But in Pakistan, that's not really the case. They're like, look, we can't do anything like this person's pretty much gone, right? So, but one of my, my, my cousins is a very successful doctor and he was like, just bring him to my hospital. We take him in and the doctors are like, look, you're, he's gone, right? He's on, only he's only either going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life, which nobody wants to see that, you know, and put him on a you know life-sustaining machine, or he's going to pass on in the next fifteen days, which is also very traumatic, right? They neither of those are good options, right? So they were talking about if he ends up being a vegetable, they're going to start, you know, basically. Um, to cutting off his his body parts, right? Because you get these severe bad bed sores and you get gangrene. And so, you know, only basically his torso would be left, right? That's eventually what's going to end up happening. And I was like, man, my father was this big, burly, manly man. Like, I'm sure my father would just want to pass on, right? So at the time, I had gotten my green card date. I was supposed to go in for my interview. And because I was a Pakistani and Muslim, it got caught up in September 11th. So they just delayed everything. They were like, we don't give a shit about people like you. Fuck off. We're not processing your paperwork, right? So I'm just like, no, you don't understand. My father's dying. I gotta I gotta go visit him. I gotta go say goodbye to my father. And they're like, yeah, no. They're like, if you leave the country, you can't come back in for 10 years, like, because you're, you're like violating your paperwork yeah, or whatever the fuck. This is 2005? This is 2005, okay. right? 2005. So I'm like calling up organizations. I'm like trying to get help. And, you know, the immigration is just not budging because I had an interview earlier or earlier that year. I was supposed to get my green card stamped already at that year. But the officer was being prejudiced and just denied my case for no fucking reason. I provided all the documentation, which I couldn't understand. So long story short, for like 15 days. It's just pure hell. Like, I wake up every day. I'm trying to do whatever I can to get to Pakistan, and I can't get to it. So, I have this dream that my father and I are sitting in this uh, really beautiful mansion, like a kitchen and like a island. My father's like sitting across from me and I'm like looking at him and my father's crying and he's just profusely crying. And I'm like, Dad, why are you crying? And he goes, he goes, you got to forgive me or I can't leave. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, do you forgive me? And I said, 
I said, yeah. I said, I forgive you. And he goes, he goes, then I, then I can leave now. Obviously, he was like, but you got to forgive me or I can't leave. I said, oh, dad, I forgive you. And then the phone rings. So I pick up the phone and it's my aunt. And I was like, he passed away. And she goes, why do you know that? And I said, because he just came to my dream and he asked me for forgiveness. I was like, that's how I know he left. And she was like, yeah, he just passed away. That was the morning after? There was literally moments that's happening in moments. 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 I have the dream. My father asked me for forgiveness. The phone rings. I pick up the phone. My my aunt's like, I just got the call. Your dad passed away. So it's happening in like moments. What does that make you feel? You know, I think I've told this story so many times that I've like ran out of tears. I'm usually pretty choked up about the story. You know, it just... Uh, it's too bad that we didn't get to repair our relationship. I feel pretty fortunate to be able to at least mend some of my relationship or to find some kind of closure, which I feel bad for my brothers because they didn't get to have that, you know? And I feel like I feel like it's a huge lesson in there, right? The, the lesson is to say what you need to say. Like, really, sorry, I don't mean to quote John Mayer here. But, um, but re- I mean, but I do really yeah. believe in that. Just... Fucking say it. Life is so short. Nobody knows when your clock is up. Nobody knows when the lights are off. Nobody knows. Young, old, it doesn't even matter. It's like, if you have a grudge against someone or you're heartbroken about, just go fucking say it. Just get it off your chest. Don't walk around like a wounded soul. This wounded, you know, person to be like, that person hurt me and I can't tell him. No, fucking tell him. You hurt me. This is what you did to me. You know what? And I hope we can find find a way to repair this. If we can, that's fine. At least I let it off my chest, right? And I feel like that has been my big lesson from that, where I just don't even hold anything anymore. If I have something to say to someone, I'll just go say it. Yeah. If you lose that, if you lose that opportunity to say on your mind, in your case, I feel like does it come with a lot of regret? What? If you say it or you don't say you it? Don't say it. I'm yeah, saying, is, that, is that worse than holding it in? Hundred percent. For me, I am. I I think I've really come to the realization that I'm the kind of person that just has to let it out. Mm. I can't keep in it. It makes me sick. It like physically makes me sick. Mm. I can't do it. I just gotta let it out. And it's interesting because you're admitting that you know it makes you physically sick. I wonder. I feel like it. It makes everyone physically sick. Some people just don't even realize it. Yeah. You know what I mean? For you're, sure. You're, maybe you're more sensitive to it. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of, it's 15 years of therapy that's talking, but I think there's a lot of self-awareness that has come with that. Um, I think there's a lot of healing that has come with that. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't think if I had I've never gone to therapy or done those things, I don't think I would even have that level of awareness to be able to have that conversation or be able to find that sort of healing, you know, to... To be like, yeah, that's, I guess that's all the time we had, you know? What's all the time we had? What, is, what has been the most difficult part for you in regards to losing your father in that way and considering the relationship that you had? What's been the hardest thing? Yeah, is there anything that you said 15 years of therapy? Is there any focus? Maybe I'm sure there's a lot of things going on in there. Like, yeah. Not because it's you or anything. <laughs> just, there just, is a lot going on in here. You don't understand. Just in general, 15 years of therapy, I'm sure that you you probably unpack all sorts of things that have nothing to do with your dad probably. But in regards to the grieving process, was there anything that stood out that was maybe the biggest hurdle? I'm sure there's more than one, but... Man, you know what happened to me when my father passed away? Um... I stopped believing in God. Really? Yeah. I was just like, there's no God. 
there is no God. I don't believe in it. It's bullshit. How could we possibly have this really fucked up tumultuous relationship? I finally find this moment. I finally find this opening. And then you fucking yank it from me. Like, why? Like, why am I such a horrible human being? Like, why? What the fuck is this? Like, what is this? I don't understand. I was a really sad, angry person walking around. So around that time, I also learned that my ex-husband was cheating on me. So it was just a lot of stuff happening. And then I ended up losing my job out of the blue. So it was just like three major traumas just hitting me one after another. So I just went through this I was in in a really bad place where I was just like, I don't believe in anything. Like, there's no God. This sucks. Like, this couldn't happen. Like, this sucks. None of this is true. God, there's no way that God exists. Like, this is just too shitty. And then I was uh, briefly working for Morgan Stanley. And I remember walking down 8th Avenue. I was like in Midtown, like, and whatever, 40 some odd, 50 some odd street. And I'm walking down 8th Avenue. I'm just like, oh, I fucking hate everything. Uh, <laughs> just like walking around like the Incredible Hulk. I hate it. Um, sorry, I'm probably scaring your audience members. Uh, I hope you are. Yeah, you know, they're like, turn it off. Uh, <laughs> Don't want to hear I, I look at, I look at my retention rate all of a sudden decreases right at minute 31 <laughs> and 35. <laughs> and it's over. Um and I'm walking. This is really weird, creepy story. Perfect. I'm walking and this guy walks up to me and he goes, uh, yes, starts asking me some directions about something. And I was like, What? And he goes, Do you know where this restaurant, this thing is? I was like, uh, I don't know. I was like trying to figure it out. And he goes, like, you don't have to be so mad at God. What? <sighs> oh, I mean, who? Who? This random guy? I can't even tell. I can't even describe his face to you if you ask me. Was he asking for dollars on the street or just a normal guy? Just a normal guy. Just Not that those people are normal, you know. Yeah, I mean. yeah. This guy, just, he goes just like, you don't have to be so mad at God. I was like, what did you say? He goes, you know. He was like, you know, you've lost your faith in God. It's okay. He still believes in you. I was like, who the fuck are you? Morgan Freeman? Yeah. It's like Bruce <laughs> who Almighty. Who are you? This is so Bruce Almighty. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, which parent did you lose? Your father? I was like, who are you? You're creeping me out. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what? What did you say? And he goes, that's okay. You're going to be fine. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Do you just know that he believes in you and he loves you? You're just going through a rough time. That's all. He's like, you'll come out of it. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck you are. And I just start crying. I'm like, get away. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're talking to me like that. He's like, God sent me. I just want to relay his message to you. This is so... Okay, only stuff like this happens to me. There's like multiple incidents like this that have happened to me. But that's and very, I can't explain it. Yeah, that's I can't explain very specific. It. That's so specific. It's so specific. And this is a random guy in Manhattan. Random guy. Just you, random guy. The, the funniest part is at first he led it with, where's this place? And yes. Then, and then he's like completely ignored that and then just went straight to It was just like a, just like an in, just yeah. trying to like get my attention. Because <laughs> it. it would be super weird, right? It would be even weirder when he's just like, why don't you believe in God? And be like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, let me ask where Sparrow is first. That'll make it a little easier <laughs> exactly. to digest. That's why. What do you do with this? Did anything transition from that point or was it? Just Nothing. Kind of, he was just like, he was like, have a nice day. I mean, like, and with just you, left. Like, was like, what happened? Does anything happen from there where yeah. it was a little bit of a. Yeah, it was uh, It was me going back and saying, okay, there is a God. 
<laughs> you know, there is a God. There's okay. I'm just mad at the circumstances. I'm not really mad at God. I'm not really mad at His existence. I'm just mad at my circumstances. And what is what is a good what is a good thing that has come out of all of this? Okay. I made peace with my father. That was a really good thing. Um, I no longer get to waste my time with my ex-husband because he's cheating on me. Great. I'm moving on. And that, that was another thing. My father was, um, my, after my father passed away, about a month or two months later, I, I saw my father in my dream. Uh, and I had this dream that I met at my grandma's house in uh, in Pakistan, which is where I spent a lot of my childhood. And uh, my mom's there. And it's a white party. Everybody's wearing white. So in uh, in Muslim culture, in Muslim, you know, you wear white when somebody passes away. That's, you know, it's funerals. Yeah, you wear it at funerals because it represents purity. It represents returning to your creator. So you're washed and you're bathed and you're wrapped in white cloth. I like that better than all black. Yeah, all black. Yeah, so you're just like wrapped in white, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so my father and I, it's me, my mom, and everybody else is faceless. And there's a party going on. And my father keeps grabbing my hand and he was like, you have to go. You have to leave. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, you have to leave. You're you're going to miss your flight. I said, what flight, Dad? He goes like, your flight. You know the flight I'm talking about. You don't want to miss that flight. Get on, get on your flight. And then I woke up and I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What flight? And I remember when I went through my breakup with my ex and we were going through a divorce. Um, I remember, I'm like, oh. That's why my father went, like, don't miss, like, the flight of your life. Like, why? what are you wasting time with this person? He doesn't even value you. Huh. Just go. Just leave. Just go live your life. That's what he was saying. Just go fly. Just go do your thing, you know? That's so I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's probably what that, that's, that's what that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, like, these weird, weird, like, things, unexplainable things that happen to me where I'm just like, I can't explain this. So, let me ask you, what is your thought on, so, you had that transition when this, Dude in Manhattan just says uh, random. Says God, don't be mad at God. What do you say again? Don't be mad at God. Don't be mad at God. And I see the contradiction when people are like you know I feel like get in the position that you're in, not believing in God because something shitty happens to you. Like why would God do this? So was it tr- besides having that guy in your life? Because obviously most people might not have someone in the street walking in to say that to him. Yeah. You said something that I liked when you asked yourself a specific question about what good came from this, right? Yeah. You, asked, yes. you started asking those that positive question, yes. which I feel like for someone who doesn't, let me know what you think, for someone who doesn't have that uh, rando in the street, don't be mad at God situation, yeah. that seems to be another option for people to start. It's hard. It's a hard question to ask, like immediately, like what good could possibly come from this? But you just force yourself to ask that question. That's right. You were able to pinpoint the good that came from it. And try to look at it in that light. Yeah. You know, in in um, Kabbalah, which is the mystic side of Judaism, there's this really beautiful saying in Kabbalah, which is that anything bad that ever happens to you is not really, it's not really bad ultimately. It's actually good for you. It's because things have, things happen, bad things happen in your life to kind of, uh, you know, kind of adjust you or kind of shift you in the, in the, the direction you're supposed to go or what you're meant to do or meant to be. And maybe at the time you're just like, this is really shitty. This is fucking trash. What is happening right now? But it's happening for a reason. It's happening to direct you in what your purpose is and what you're meant to be. Yeah. I love that. I heard a comedian, I think it was Robert Kelly. Hopefully, if that was him, he mentioned something of the sort. What you're saying is like sometimes things just seem so bad in the moment, and but you just you like you kind of be like, we'll see, because sometimes yeah. when it happens, like maybe this turns out to be a really good thing, but right now it fucking sucks. That's right. You know what I mean? But sometimes you gotta like just not say such as life, perhaps, but it's kind of just okay. This is terrible right now, but have that belief that 
it will turn into something good because I feel like it eventually does. Yeah. But some people don't choose that. It's kind of a, it's a decision and a choice too because there's some people that feel like they never get out of it and I feel like that's a choice. I think it's a choice. But you know, um, somebody once said, I, I forgot who, I thought, was it Michael Jordan or somebody, somebody once said, it's like, if you're going through hell, keep going because you don't want to be stuck in hell. Keep going, right? You want to get out of hell. If you're going through hell, keep going. You don't want to be stuck in hell. So I think it's that. Some people stop. They get stuck in hell. It's like, you stopped. Don't stop. Just keep going. I know when it's like, oh my God, I don't have the motivation. I don't have the courage. I don't have, I feel so weak. I feel so depressed. Get up. Just keep going. Even if you do just a tiny bit every day, you're moving. You're shaking. You're moving ahead, you know? And I feel like that had been a big lesson for me from all those three kind of traumas hitting me at the same time. And honestly, I went through this really, sometimes you feel like you're like, oh my God, I'm stuck. Or I'm just like in this really dark place. And it's like, no, you've been planted. You've been planted to do something really great, but you got to keep that faith. You got to see it from that point of view. You are not put there because God hates you or because life hates you. And yes, life can be unfair. There's no denying about that, but you are planted there for a reason. And you got to find what that reason and that purpose is. It's for a purpose. It's not, nothing is for nothing. You know, it's, it's for a reason. Yeah. I'm not, when it comes to the belief system, when you, you know, when we start talking about God and stuff like that, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful part about whatever, like regardless of what someone believes in, this, that, or the other. Yeah. As long as you believe in something, I think is good. But then there's some people that don't believe in anything. Sure. So it's like, how do those people look at it the same way? Hey, but when they when they get upset at something, they're like, oh, God. I'm like, oh, so you do believe in God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm using his name in vain, so it doesn't doesn't really count. (laughs) It's not even vain. It's just like, oh, you're thinking about God. Okay, so you think you kind of have something with this existence or something. You know, look, there are people who are completely atheists, right? I respect that. Whatever you want to do. I... I, I'm not like a religious person or a super religious person, but I am a, I am someone that who really believes in the ultimate creator. And I really do. I, I don't believe that once we die, we're just turning dust and just move on or I'm going to be food for a bunch of insects, which it probably will be. But my spirit, flesh. yeah, flesh would, but you know, but my, my spirit would live on and I, I don't think the spirit ever dies. You know, mm. it's just energy that's just transformed to something else. So how are you now? Because I'm coming back and I'm haunting some people. I just want to put this out there right now. <laughs> there are some people on my list. I have no problem. I'm coming back for you. No, 95% of them are comedians? No, no, no. Some are comedians. Uh, mostly, most of them are Republicans. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going to shift real quick to the political political conversation. <laughs> and not just that, just, just the conservative assholes, like what they're doing in Iran right now. They're like killing women, just people fighting for freedom. Those are the fuckers. Those are the fuckers I'm coming to fucking haunt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you get to a certain point doing that, it's beyond even just political parties. It's just evil. I don't know. What the hell do just I Just basic humanity, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I feel like we all want... For the most part, most people, we all kind of want the same things yeah. in many ways, whether it's just, you know, respect, love, well, you know, safety, this and that. It's like we all want a yeah. lot of the same foundational stuff. You know what? You I would think, think that. You, you would, would think, think that. I don't know if you heard, but Italy just elected its new prime minister, is it? Mm. She is a direct descendant of Stalin. That's sick. <laughs> she is like ultra conservative. She is just like out there. Um, she's beautiful. 
but she's nuts. I love that. That's where we are. I mean, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. I just want but... to put that out there. A uh, beautiful woman, yeah. but fucking nuts. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not too uh, caught up on her background, but I did hear a little bit about it. Yeah, she's uh, she's out there. Yeah. Great. I was just going to go to I just want to, I just want to kind of know what's happening in the world, man. You just want to be plugged in. Speaking of plugged in, how plugged in are you now for 17 years later? Like how you feel? Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I think I started the podcast with me going back to Pakistan after 16 years. And, um, I gotta say, you know, the one number one thing, I, this, this is going to sound so silly. I was like super concerned that I'm going to be so triggered when I go back to that place where I was born and raised, where there's a lot of trauma in that place, where my father, you know, collapsed and was like hemorrhaging for three days. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so triggered. And honestly, I wasn't. None of the slightest. That was like just this peace thing. It was interesting because where my father collapsed, with, so this, we have like this massive place in, in Pakistan and um, the bedroom where my father collapsed, my mom stopped sleeping in that room. Since my father passed away, she just doesn't sleep in that room because I guess it's too traumatizing for her. So she sleeps in the living room. And um, I was just like, I'm a, I'm just going to go sleep in the bedroom because I'm fine. I'm cool. If he visits me, that's great. We'll talk. And my mom was like, really? You're just cool with that? I was like, yeah, that's my father. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. It doesn't bother me. And I think something happened to my mom where she saw this level of comfort and I guess I've been doing all this healing work and like going to therapy and working on myself for the past 15 years that I wasn't triggered in the slightest and it somehow calmed my mom down where then my mom was comfortable to be like okay I'll sleep in that bedroom that's great that's cool I'll do that and I think there was like a certain comfort that she found in it you know that's beautiful I think the fact that you didn't feel those triggers it's usually in my thought process is that's a good sign of healing. Yeah. It's a good sign of good work that you just said you've done. Yes. That is like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Because when you do feel it, I think no matter what it is, loss, what it, relate, it doesn't matter what you're going through, when you get triggered by something, I feel like that is a sign that you still have shit to that's massage, correct. massage out. That's correct. You know, that's a good sign of going in the right direction. Even if it gets dim, like it's going to take time, but yeah. maybe in the year one, two, three, or four, whatever, you start to notice, oh, I'm not, I feel it, but it's not as powerful. That's right. And I'm able to get over it a little quicker. And that's right. Eventually, it's like you're at peace. That's right. That's the process. And you know what it is? I don't know if this is for you, David, but I think the older I get, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were just like, oh, Mona, you want to do things that give you pleasure? And I was like, no, I don't. I want to do things that give me peace. That's mm. a difference. Yep. I think I think people confuse peace with pleasure. Those are not the same things. You can have pleasure. You can go out and like bang 10 people and get pleasure. All at once. All at once. And some people are into that. God bless. All right. I see you. Uh, <laughs> so but, it's God's you know, cause of all the orgies. It's just God's. It Listen, man, you know, <laughs> so if your God is... For, you know, freaking encouraging you, you rock it out, okay? Yeah. Do it for the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> take it for the team. Uh, but, the whole team. <laughs> the whole team. <laughs> whole football team. Uh, but um, but my, my thing is that, what was I saying? I was like totally lost my train. Uh, I mean, before the orgy or during the orgy? Before the orgy. Or t- before the orgy, you're totally distracting me. I mean, I got distracted myself. Not I when you start so talking, take, Taking it for the team. Wow. Uh, I mean, we were talking about getting triggers. and Getting triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying that I, I feel like I feel like you I feel like you, you do get to a point where you're like, you know what? I I can't let these triggers run my life anymore. 
I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to be, I was talking about peace and pleasure, right? You can go and have sex with 10 people or do whatever, you know, eat a bunch of food or do whatever things, spend a bunch of money because you're like, it gives me pleasure. But that pleasure is very temporary. It's very fleeting, right? Because it's like this endless well that just constantly needs to be fed. But I feel like peace is like that place where you just get to where you're like, you know what? Even if somebody comes and fucks with me, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've come to this good, peaceful place. I'm good. That's where it's at. It's fine. I just need to just not be in that situation. I just need to remove myself. And I'm good. Yeah, peace comes with a discipline of uh, not getting super affected by the external and what events happen around us because we do have a choice to respond or react and it's hard, much easier said than done because it's very easy to be triggered or caught like someone else's action or event that's happened just to like go crazy off sure. it. But there is a, that's from like a true artistry of peace when you can just, okay, I'm just going to, I'm good. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I don't have to put myself there. Right. Even though this is happening, I don't have to put myself there. And that is a mental choice that we do have, but it takes time to work on. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I, not uh, this perfect specimen. I mean, I'm reactionary about certain things. For sure. It's human. We're fucking yeah, human. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like when it comes to that part about like with my father and that whole thing, that there's been a lot of healing that's been done. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah. I mean, especially because I feel like someone commented on one of my posts or messaged me talking about something on the lines of losing someone who was shitty to them and like had they had bad experiences with this person. So it's interesting to hear your story about an abusive parent and then still having that love and still having that grief. I just wonder what the difference would have been in your process if you didn't have that, even though the part of the frustration was the fact that you were starting to amend it and that got cut short. So that's a whole nother, you know, struggle. Yeah. But if you didn't have that moment of amending and hurty past, like, you know, it could have been a totally different experience. So I just feel for people that didn't, like, obviously there's a foundation of love there, but didn't have a good experience with this person. And it could be like a weird grieving process, grieving someone who was so shitty to you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, my ex-husband had a heart problem and um, he passed away like three years ago, right? He had a heart problem. And that was a little bit of a hard adjustment for me because... I didn't have the best relationship with him, right? He was he wasn't very kind to me. He was for a while, but then he wasn't, right? So I was just like, but you know, it's like all that therapy that you go to, you're just like, yeah, but I'm just gonna look at all the good things that he did for me, right? I'm just gonna uh, wish, you know, I'm gonna bless a soul and I hope he's in a good, peaceful place, right? And that's that. Because it's also like this burden that you walk around, right? It's like this heavy, like a stone in your chest that you walk around with this rage and this anger and this resentment. And I feel like it just permeates like every aspect of your life. And at some point, you just got to take that boulder off your chest and you're like, I'm just going to put it right here because I want to live my life. I just want to go on. I want to forgive. I want to forgive myself for allow this, allowing this person to treat me a certain way. You know, what was my kind of hand in that? And I forgive this person, whatever their demons were. I hope they find peace. I love that. And it just reminded me of a woman, Scarlett, who had on my podcast, lost her son in a school shooting, Scandy Hook. And she's mentioned forgiveness, and I was trying to understand how... Oof, How that's a whole that's a whole different level of forgiveness, right? Man. But the, the relatability and forgiveness in general, and I think what you said and what she said about how she forgave the school shooter, which I can't even—I mean, hate saying this—I can't fathom. Oof. But she—I'm going she, she, to start crying just thinking but, about that. But she explained it in a sense that I was like, I wasn't forgiving him for him. She's like, I was forgiving him for me because, mm. like, I think it relates to what you're saying—that boulder that we carry 
with those people, that person's energy or whatever the hell it's a traumatic experience. Like she's like, I forgave them for me to let go, not even so much to forgive them. And I thought that was just a really powerful thing when it comes down to forgiveness. It's like I used to think, look at forgiveness, oh, I'm forgiving it for them to like under to see that I can forgive them. But sometimes the forgiveness is just strictly for you and and what we need to move on. So I just thought that was really powerful coming from yeah. a woman that experienced that. That's not to relate any issues because like I'm not saying one's worse than the other. No, 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 no. You, of you know what I mean? But just the idea of forgiveness and never looked at it from the side of I'm forgiving you for me to move That's on. Right. Like I'm letting this go. That's right. Kind of thing. So it could go both ways, I think, but I just thought that was really powerful the way yeah. she said it. And it's you the way you were explaining forgiveness is like you said, it was a boulder on us. Just seemed really Yeah, it's like I feel like it's also kind of makes you this person that is like rotting your perception on humanity and on life. It's like it's like this um it's like this fungus that like just sits there and it's just rotting. Fucks everything else up. It just it's just like fucking rotting your perception on people, on yourself, on life. Like you can't like you just gotta fucking take this fungus off. Like you just gotta let it go, man. Yeah, before it spreads to everything. Yeah. And it isn't it does kind of like veil like when you have one bad experience, it does kind of like that's when those generalizations come in. Like you get your heart broken. It's like oh screw love, isn't that blah blah blah. That was doesn't can't cover everyone over that. I would agree with that. Screw love. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> especially in Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know it's out there, but um, <laughs> it's out there. It's out there somewhere. You know, it's out there in Orange County somewhere. It's uh, uh, yeah, maybe no, no Orange County. I hear, dude. I went on one of the worst dates in Orange County. It was atrocious. Where in Orange County? Um, it was in Laguna Beach. Okay. It was just beyond atrocious. Like the him or. The Laguna Beach. Well, Laguna Beach is great. I love Laguna Beach, but the date like brought me, took me like to this nice place, and then was just like, "Hey, me and my buddies are hanging out at this place. Let's come and hang." I was like, "We're on a date. Like, I'm not hanging out with your buddies." And then by the time we get got went to get hang out with his buddies, he was already a little tipsy, and then his friends were already tipsy. We were meeting at some bar or something. And then he went to the bathroom and then two of his friends started hitting on me. And I was like, what is going on right now? This is so weird. So don't go to Laguna Beach for dates. So don't go to Laguna Beach for dates now, those OC boys. <laughs> or your buddies. Ugh. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we should maybe the next episode we'll start talking about dating positions. <laughs> so I want to appreciate you for coming out here and um, sharing. Like I said, this is a unique conversation for me in particular compared to other situations because there haven't been too many that have had a tumultuous relationship with their father. I have had a, a couple. It's just an interesting perspective of, you know, healing, but then also getting that cut short. So you had a, a couple, a very unique situation when it comes to loss. I hope this relates to someone who's experienced something like this because we know there's more people out there. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people tend to have, I think, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to come across a lot of people who have not a good relationship with their parents more than not, right? I come across a lot of people who are just like, I had a, you know, one parent or both parents or, you know, just they just don't have healthy relationships. Like when I come across people, they're like, oh, I love my mom and my dad. I'm like, who are you? Yeah, I was blessed to have that. Oh, good for you. That's wonderful. Yeah, I don't really. That's see, that's rare to me. See, it's I understand. I, feel, I also I, I'm also a stand up comic, so we're very damaged people. Right. I guess why my maybe my stand up career. I maybe have to mess up my relationship with my mother in order to. Uh, don't do that, please. Don't do that. Mom, if you listen, I love you. No, no but I, I get what you're I saying. I love you too, Mom. I, I, I've I never met you. <laughs> Want to put that out there think, right now? You know, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe I shouldn't have said the word unique. What I kind of meant was more specific to. 
I think that, and also what I already said was there, there are a lot of people that have had, you know, abusive parents, mm-hmm. clearly. But and I do know a lot of people that don't have the best relationship with their family. I don't know too many people that have had abusive parents. Obviously, mm. we know there's a lot out there yeah. for the numbers. But having that specific experience is even more, it's more to me than just have, not having like a, a know, good relationship. A good relationship. Somebody sure. have, have disagreements, it's not, but it's not due to abuse or something more yes. severe. So to have something as severe as yours, you know, it's it's just a whole other thumbnail in the, in the entire picture. Yeah. So to see where you're at, maybe it's the 15 years of therapy. Maybe it's just your insight in general. Maybe it's the comedy. But, you know, I think... Uh, I think it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah. Right? And it's coming on podcasts like this and just talking shit. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, just talk a little shit on it. Talk a little shit. It's okay to talk a little shit. Yeah, I feel like... I think it goes back to the point that I was making, which is just just say what you need to say. Like, really, just get it off your chest. Like, really, stop walking around like a wounded little soul and saying, nobody understands me. The world doesn't, I don't, the world doesn't get me. It's like, no, the world does get you. But they, they're they not going to be able to get you if you don't verbalize what is it that you're feeling or what what is it that you're going through. Now, I'm not saying go and make yourself vulnerable to assholes. That's not what I'm saying. But find the people who actually do give a shit about you. If you can't find those people, hire a therapist. You pay them. They'll listen to you. They'll give you an objective advice, right? But just... Don't don't just keep it inside and think that you are so complicated that you can't be understood. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that human beings are not complex. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there is a certain, um, um, you know, freedom. There's a certain liberalism that comes in just expressing how you feel and saying or even saying it to the person who did do that to you. Yeah, I love that. And I, it's a question that I, I never asked myself. And there's been moments where I, feel, I don't feel understood and I hear that. I think the other question we should ask is, am I expressing myself properly? Like what you said. Yeah. I think it relates to, and sometimes you're not, like you just said it in regards to, maybe you're, you can be understood, but maybe you're not vocalizing it in the right way. Right. Perhaps, right. Or to the right people even. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's another side of the coin to look at. Cause it's so easy. Like, I'm just not understood. I'm not understood. Okay. But you ever look about the way you express yourself and the way you say things or how you say things and maybe you're not vocalizing it the best you could. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Or sometimes, I, I think sometimes some people do that, and I do do that. I am guilty of it, and I I try to be really, really good about it, where sometimes I get hurt about something or wounded about something, and then I just isolate myself. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't need to talk to anybody. And it's just like, no, I do, you know. Uh, but I know what, what that is about, not to get into so much psychology, but there's this incredible uh, trauma doctor. He's a Holocaust survivor. His name is Dr. Gabor Mate. He is brilliant if you want if you're in a you know into uh, learning about trauma and trauma healing and how it works and how it passes on from generation to generation and he talks about this uh brilliant thing about children like myself um how why why as adults do i like isolate myself and i was like where does that come from and he talks about how children when you grow up in an environment that's not the most stable not the most loving perhaps maybe has abuse in it uh so those children learn, learn to self-soothe right and how they self-soothe is that they isolate so when they become adults that's kind of what they do it's like when there's you know a conflict there's an issue they just isolate themselves and they're like i don't need to talk to anybody I'll just go figure it out. I'll go work out. I'll go take a walk. I'll hit a punching bag. I'll eat a bunch of Twinkies. I'll work it out, you know. And then when I'm in a good place, I'll come back out. And I'm really, like, really making a very, very genuine effort to just not do that, to just not crawl into a dark hole and then work it out on my own. It's just like, no, I'll go talk to my friends. Like, I'm in a shitty place. This is how I'm feeling about this. And they're like, 
okay, cool. Thank you for sharing that. What what other things you can do to make yourself feel better? And I think I'd like slowly beginning to come out of it, but it's it's very easy to do. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about it's it. Easy, it's easier. Yeah. It's much. I think it's much easier to go down the hole. Yeah. It's very, much easier to be just being like, I don't need to talk about it. Let me just go watch all the episodes of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, we got, oh. Jesus, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> things get the shit out of me. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I was sleeping and I was I went right to sleep, but I mean, I'm saying I mean, it was just a... Uh, I, that was more like hard to watch just because of, I don't know, was, I think maybe the acting was so good and the story Ugh, was just so Evan insane. Peters is a god. I, I love I, him. I, mean, I, I, only, I only came to know him through Ameri- all the American horror stories. Oh, yeah. He's he I always thought he was incredible. And this was he's so kinda, talented. Yeah, he's that's, also, that's a whole other thing. He's also my baby daddy. I just oh. put that out there. <laughs> Call me, Evan. <laughs> uh, Evan, we're going to tag you as we wrap this episode up. I would love so that good. so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to do a slow zoom to your face there from the, on the YouTube video for anyone watching. Thank you. Just like the fan is blowing just my hair. <laughs> <laughs> just like fanning. <laughs> <laughs> Did not see it going there. I'm with it. I'm kind of, I have a little man crush on him, but we're going to end the episode right there before I get too into that. Um, everyone, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you. Oh, thank for, you for having me. For this hopping is great. Out here. Yeah, no, I hope you feel comfortable with everything. You feel, yeah. good, you feel good about it? Yeah, I feel really good. Is there anything, anything you want to plug about yourself? Yeah, if you guys, um, if you guys want to come check out some of my shows, um, I don't know when this goes up, but you can go to my website at com. I list all my shows. I have shows coming up at the Comedy Store. I think I have some shows coming up at the Laugh Factory. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of shows coming up. And also, I'm uh, the creator and producer uh, of a new uh, brand that I'm launching. It's called Mona and Friends Web3 is a Joke. And that amazing event is uh, coming up on Friday, December 16th at Famecast in Santa Monica. And um, I'm, I've gotten pretty big in the Web3 world and I'm a big fan of that if you guys want to come to that event you can just go to my website and uh, find all the details there voila and I'll put all the links as usual to in the description of this episode so if you do want to find her just click the links below I'll put all the information there come see her perform come see anything and everything that this woman does so thank you so much for being here again thank you it was fun thanks same here glad we closed it out with Evan Peters is that his name Evan Peters oh yeah <laughs> call me Evan <laughs> <laughs> In that note, um, yeah, go follow Evan Peters, go subscribe and do all that good stuff to Dead Talks. And uh, until next time, ciao.